0: this is your first time with us this morning, or maybe your second or third, uh, we have been going through a section on uh, looking at the I am's of Jesus, and uh, what he has to say about uh, his himself, his own I his am statements. So you can kind of get that out there. And uh, the section that uh, was given to me was was to finish off chapter 10. Now, we've had a couple of different messages on, on chapter 10, which is the chapter that deals with being a shepherd, a gate, a flock, uh, that type of thing, and being sheep. And uh, so I, what I'm going to do here on chapter 10 is, as I looked at it, and it's kind of a challenging last section of this chapter 10 of John, is it really stands a great deal upon uh, uh, what what has taken place before because it becomes a, a sort of a closing section of Jesus's public ministry uh, during his three-year ministry on earth? So, chapter John, the way John's gospel works, is ten sort of been the closing wrap-up. Now, the eleven, there's a personal interaction. And you might say there's somewhat of public ministry there, but essentially it's over and it's done. Now I'm going to to go back to some of the previous IMs, just to kind of give you a little bit of running start so we can hit this last part of John chapter uh, 10 and get hopefully some good, full meaning out of it. Now I've, I've got some props here, so uh, in fact, it would be good if I could have a few volunteers. Uh, to help me out with these props. So, if anybody would like to come up and help me out with the props, this, I need four. So, could four of you just come up right quickly? You, you can't delay because it's on my time. So, you have to come up quickly. All right, we got two really great guys here. We need two more. All right, there's two more right there, and we'll get those. Now, I'm going to just kind of have you come over here. Willie, if you stand just right there. And you can come right over there, Cohen, and stand there. You two guys stand there, and we'll be able to do it this way. So I'm going to give uh, the crutches here to Willie, because I think he probably needs them. But anyway, um, and then, Cohen, I'm going to give uh, this. You just hold on to that just a minute. And then, do you, Chris, you hold on to that? Oh, I do so. it, <laughs> And... Uh, just hold on to that, and I'll give you instructions in just a little bit. Okay, all right. So, so what, what we do, going through the I am's of Jesus, uh, there, there are many places where he says, "I am the uh, the Good Shepherd," "I am the Gate," "I am the Door," uh, and has different I am's. Now, the, these these sections of scripture. And I'm just gonna. We've had the several of like I am, I am before Abraham. I am, the I am. He does that, but I'm not gonna hit on all of them. But I'm gonna start in John five, and then I'm gonna run up here to uh, wrap it up in John ten. In John five, it was the lame man beside the pool of Bethesda, and remember, he had been lame for most of his life, A- and and Jesus walks up to him and asks him, Could he be healed? Would you want to get well? And the guy says, "Yeah, it sounds like a great idea." And Jesus puts life back into his legs that's been crippled for, for, for all his life. And now now here's the main thing I want to focus on with this guy here is not just this healing act of Jesus, but I want to focus on the response to the healing act, the response to the healing act about the, the leaders. Now, this guy, yeah, he was, he was jumping around there. But, but, but the leaders get into it. Uh, they were saying uh, that uh, they, they, were, they were upset with the fact that this guy got healed by Jesus. Now Keep that in mind now. He, they were ticked off that this guy, and especially because Jesus did it on the Sabbath. Now, the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, does not say that you can't heal someone on the Sabbath. It, but that was not the deal. Now that, but they had built up laws of their own around that that created that response. And so when they did that, Jesus said, he says this to them here, I testify about myself and testi- my testimony is valid. What I'm saying, he says, is the truth. And, and he says, and he goes on to say, there is another who testifies in my favor, and he's pulling on John the Baptist because a lot of these guys went out to watch John the Baptist. We're going to get to John the Baptist a little bit later here. Just... Feel that, hold that in your brain, just a second. And then he says, I am doing what my Father wants me to do. So again, they were ticked off at Jesus because he was doing what God wanted him to do. Hold on to that. Now, the next scene here, you can unwrap that. Yes. Hold that up, Colin. The next scene... That Jesus says, and because he said there that, that Jesus says that he promised that he is the I am there doing what his father's want to do. This chapter is chapter six. But the fifth chapter spends a great deal of time when Jesus got to, when they when they approach him was to his defending his uh, uh, deity as God's son. When he gets to this chapter, this is John the sixth chapter, and in John 6, he feeds five thousand. Now this, between there and here, as you get about here, this is about the end, and is the end, of the second year of Christ's ministry. And, when, and so when Jesus provides the bread, they respond, they, he, they get fed, they get the fish and all that. The next day, when they come, they go looking for Jesus, and Jesus says, what, do you, what are you here for? And they say, bread. They want more bread. And then Jesus responds by saying, uh, no bread today, (laughs) no bread today. And he says, I do. He says, the work I do, he says, don't work for the food that spoils, but the food that endures to eternal life and and for which the son of man will give you on him. The God, the father has placed his seal, improving seal. So the whole deal here. and, And so what's the response? Because they didn't get any bread the next day, they were ticked off. Now, the people that were ticked off here were the leaders of Jerusalem, and they were Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. They were the religious crowd. But when you get to this crowd of people in the thousands, they were ticked off at Jesus even though they provided food for him. They didn't like him either. In fact, at this juncture, if you were taking a a poll of his popularity, the poll would go just like this. And he goes just like this to the cross. However, so the bread thing there, they didn't like what he did there because they healed a guy that couldn't walk for 38 years and he can walk. That's a pretty good thing, wouldn't you say? How about a thousand of the people that were, these were farmers and hardworking people and migrant people. They got a shot at some food. Didn't like that. Now, John 9, he comes to John 9 and, 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 and he goes back to Jerusalem and he goes to the blind man. And when he gets to the blind man, Jesus comes up to him and heals him and gives him sight. Now turn on your flashlight there, right at the bottom. Sorry. All right. Now Jesus makes a connection here on the blind and the light. And he makes the connection is the guy can't see and he is in darkness and then when jesus gives him light he says now he can see because then he has the light but then jesus pushes a few more buttons and he says to the to the to the leadership of jerusalem he said he says for i have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What are we blind to? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. There's nothing as tragic as a person that refuses to see the truth. I'm going to tell you right now, and you know this to be true, you know a lot of people who t- refuse to deal with the truth in their lives, right? And that is a crushing heartache when they're defiantly refusing to com- to humble themselves to let Christ get a shot at changing their lives. And even for those who wouldn't even open up their heart to Christ, they would the heart that is closed to say, I know it all, don't give me the facts. Now the last guy over here, I'll have to help him a little bit, because Jesus opens up the dialogue, right after John 9, goes into chapter 10, he opens up the dialogue, excuse me, about sheep. There you go. All right. He opens up the dialogue about sheep. Now, when this blind man finally came to Jesus, Jesus personally sought him out. And and he said Jesus says, "Do you do you believe in the Son of man?" which is God's, Jesus' favorite expression of himself. And the blind man says, I don't know him. And Jesus says, I am he. And the blind man says, I believe. Now, when you can see, there is a response. And then Jesus turns, and then they throw him out. They throw him out of the temple. They say, yeah. I can't stand people that have a decent life and that can see. I'd rather have people that stumble along in the darkness. Get out of here. And Jesus says, you know what? Spiritual leaders, you have not been willing to accept the sheep that God has given you. Now, I know that John and Rob been working on the sheep passages here. But, you know, and and I noticed that some of them quoted Philip Keller. And you read Philip Carroll, who was a sheep farmer. He says, sheep have several things that are really why Jesus may have chosen us is because uh, we tend to be timid. We tend to be fearful. We tend to be mob followers. We follow the crowd and don't think for ourselves. And then Philip added, Philip Keller added, who's a classic in this area. He says, and they have a lot of strange, weird habits that they won't give up. That are self-destructive. <laughs> but Jesus said that is, that is my pe- that's my people. That's way I, that's the people I love. Then we get to and, and as he unfolds chapter 10, he gives us a long discussion on being the sheepfold, and that's where he says, "I am the gate. I am the good shepherd." And people that want a life change, come to me. Okay, guys, you can put your props down there. Now, that kind of gives you, and, and, and when, when he talked about being a good shepherd, I didn't add this, they also didn't like that either. Now, we open up then, so you've got to run and start at this. We go to the 10th chapter now, in verse 22. Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. Come back to that in just a little bit. The Jews gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense if you are the Christ? Tell us plainly. Now, let's get a little little historical background here. All these events, the lame man, the, the bread... Especially the, 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 the blind man and the sheep discussion. and if you go through the book of John all from, from, the, uh, from the first chapter, actually down to, to the, to the uh, 11th chapter, it all takes place during feast of the, Feast of the Jews. Whether it's a Passover feast or there's tabernacles, it's a feast day. It's a, it's a biblical feast day in the book of Leviticus. This feast day and John 10 what right, he's talking about here in John twenty-two ten, it is not a biblical feast day. It is not a biblical feast day. It is a feast of dedication. And the feast of dedication for us, and it is winter, so, so the feast of tabernacles previously here with the blind man, it would have been like in, in, in September. But the feast of dedication would, have, would be in, in, in December. Now, the Feast of Dedication in December is what the Jewish holiday today is, is Hanukkah. And so Hanukkah, although it was a, a, a traditional uh, holiday set apart by the Jews, but it was never recognized in the, in the Old Testament. And actually, that Hanukkah, at this time, this, this holiday, at best... Uh, might have been a hundred years old there, but but it was the inner testament period, and it, and the big name around Hanukkah. Occasionally, you'll hear it. Maybe if maybe not in this section of our country, but you get back in New York streets and different places back east, you'll hear that uh, Judas Maccabeus, who became the great Jewish leader that led the revolt against Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a Caesarian, who took one of those pigs like we had last night and slaughtered it on the Jewish altar. And it was a disgrace and in your face. And some people even say, that was the first religious persecution of the Jews. (laughs) But it definitely, that motivated him to go there. So he did that and he killed that, that hog on the altar and then that began to reunite Jews. But you need to remember this, that the Jews were not totally united because they were Hellenizing. They were becoming like Greeks. They were entering into Western culture even at that day and time. But the Jewish people said, no, we have to re- go back to the way it used to be and come back to it. So they were a lost people. And all these sequences that you could read, if I would have the time to read them all, you will find that the people were confused about what they thought about what they believed. They were confused about it. Even then they were confused about it. But there were some, almost every one of these stories that i illustrated here, almost every one ends with this kind of comment. There were some very much opposed, and there were some who really weren't decided about it. There were some very much opposed, but well, how could a man that speaks this way be a, a person that's demon-possessed? There was constant tension there. You might say it was a split populace. You ever hear that one? Yeah. It was a divided populace. They couldn't make their mind up where to stand. They were lost in it. So it was this feast that Jesus was focusing on here. And, and I'm calling this, I'm this up in four sections to look at this. And this first section is confrontation. So that they got, they came around Jesus. The, the scripture says there. A feast of dedication was winter, it was cold, it was like December. Jesus was in the temple area, walking in Solomon's Colonnade, Solomon's Colonnade. If you're into this type of historical research, it's the eastern side, it's the eastern gate side of the city of Jerusalem. uh, If you looked at the eastern gate and you look through it, you'd see the, 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 the tabernacle, the temple rather, and you would see that there. And then the gate was, actually, the wall there was a retaining wall, and then they built a roof over it, and they had colonnades. And all around the, the walls would be these colonnades, and they would be meeting places, sort of like classrooms. Oh, eventually they became a booze for selling stuff. And so the Jews got together and they circled around him, they gathered around him. The word gather around is a word that is used, it's one word they Gather around, is one word in Greek, and it means like, uh, um, like wolves circling prey, or like a schoolyard bully getting ready to put somebody down. So they're circling around Jesus, setting him up. And of course the question comes, the Jews gather around him and say, how long will you keep in suspense? The the suspense word here is holding our breath, holding our breath. And it says, if you are the Christ, plainly tell us. And that becomes a very important thing. Now, in every one of these sequences of these illustrations here, they were always contending, you claim to have connections with God and I don't like it because you're healing people. I don't like it because you're feeding people. I don't like it because people see. I don't like it because you want to accept those kind of stupid animals of people, those unwashed masses. Because they don't dress like we dress and act like we like. So he, he, he's saying here, uh, so, so they're, they're, they want him to say, are you the Christ? Now Christ is the, is, is the Greek word for Messiah. Now, here's, here's the thing. These guys were not really interested in any answer he had. If he said he was the Christ or the Messiah, it wasn't the word situation that they were concerned about. The thing is, the popular readings during this period of time were apocryphal, apocryphal literature of Judas Maccabeus. And the thing is that they really wanted from Jesus was not someone to mess up their temple organization. They didn't want to mess up the the corruption within the Jewish hierarchy. They wanted to hold on to that, but they also wanted to get rid of the Romans. And Jesus had followings of people. And you know what people do if they know someone has a following in any country they will coax that person as much as possible to be a part of them because they want the trade-off of that person's name. I used to, in my younger uh, wandering years, I worked with political campaigns. And this campaign I worked with had put a congressman in Congress, and I got to sit around the table of all the wealthy people in the community figuring out how to plan this strategy. And they would talk about, well, this person could give us this, and we gave him this, and we gave him this And then one we person said, no, oh, we can't use his name because his name is bad right now in the community, and it wouldn't look good, so we can't use his money unless he gets a better look. Then, if he gets a better look, then we use his money. Not a lot has changed here. But the idea here in this confrontation, it's is, is nothing really new. But remember that Jesus, when he finished with this blind man and this, this discussion on the sheep, we don't know for sure, but between verses, what was it? verses uh, 21 and 22 in your Bible, you can put in there almost two to three months. So he's come back. He's come back to a feast that is not in the Bible to work with this group of people. He's come back to put himself in a situation of tremendous personal risk to life and limb to reach a heart of these people. And and now you've got to ask yourself, they didn't, like I said, they don't really care what his answer was as long as it was the answer they wanted. Now, next one here I see my, my starts in verse 25: the confusion. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. Now, every one of these shows the illustrations I had here, Jesus said the same thing thing almost identical but a little few different words of expression to the layman's critics, to the bread of life critics which is the farmers and the lay people and the people that work by the sweat of their brow. He said the same thing to them. He said the same thing when he gave the light to the blind. He said the same thing when he's claimed to be the God that provided uh, being the good shepherd. And Jesus, so, so you have to say here Was Jesus keeping them in suspense for two years? Was he keeping them in suspense? No, but you do tend to hear what you want to hear. What is that? People tend to tune into the news channels that they favor. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. Same line. But you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep. How do you get to be Jesus' sheep? Listen to my voice. And some of the uprisings, and the Palestinian uprisings, and back in the late 80s, uh, the Bethlehem was not paying its taxes to Israel. And the Israeli soldiers went down, and they tried to figure out, how do I collect taxes? And one of the generals, or one the general, but one of the officers said, gather up all the sheep, and put them in a public pen, and take all the sheep away from them. Pretty soon they'll want to pay their taxes. Well, then he realized he had all these people's sheep... Hundreds of people sheep from different flocks. And then when they started paying their taxes, people would come up and say, I want my sheep back. And he'd thought, oh my goodness. How am I gonna figure out whose sheep belongs to who? And a Palestinian woman came up and said, I want my sheep back. And, and he said, I, can't, I don't know, just how many did you have? How do I know that you had? She's ah, that's easy. She's my son's a shepherd. She called over her son. His son picked up a pipe, flute, started playing a very simple tune. And pretty soon, different sheep would lift their head, lift their head, lift their head. He'd turn around, walking down the street. Soldiers opened the gate. Twenty-five sheep follow. You have got to listen to Jesus. And, it, and he was saying to these leaders, you're not listening. You're not listening. For years, you have not been listening. But, he's, but remember, he's connected this with miraculous science, John calls him. Some of you are familiar with... Uh, George Barna, that name might bring be a bell to you. If you don't George Barna, let me just give a quick condenser. George Barna is one of the premier uh, pollsters in the United States. And, and he's worked with major firms. In fact, one of the big firms that he works for, worked for early on in his career was Walt Disney and the Disney Studios before they started creating all these Disney worlds and Disneyland's and all this kind of stuff, they had him do the research to find out what would appeal to the American people and sell. Not a bad job there. But Barna had a change of heart, and Barna decided that the things of the Lord were more important to him. So he started directing his research on spiritual basis to help churches connect. In 2020, not too long ago, Barna did a tremendous amount of research. and I've got sources if you want to read them. Barna's research showed, with, a, with his research, with, with less than a 2% error, of adults believe both that only 7% of adults who attend church in the United States of America believe both that the common purpose of humanity is to know, love, and serve God, and the best indicator of success is consistent obedience. Let me say that again this way. 7% of the church population in the United States, all cross-sections, only 7% believe that it's important to honor Christ as Lord and live a life that is obedient to Him, persistently. He goes on to say that in his research, he had discovered that the importance of a dynamic personal relation with God and the Bible is a precursor to the ability and willingness to follow the commands and the principles. That's what he said here. He said to the Pharisees in the the temple area, he said, this is the deal. You're not my sheep. Your precursor is not putting God's word first and the love of God first in your life. Do you wonder why there was so much diversion and controversy and response and opinions? Hey, what's new? When you look at some of the other research, it is unbelievable. Four out of seven Americans feel that probably it is helpful to be connected to the Bible. 16% believe it's how your gut feels. I feel it. No, I don't feel it. Fifteen percent feel it's science. Five percent feel tradition. Four uh, percent do not feel that there is... Four uh, percent and, and, oh, say, well, it's what the whole group... If the whole group agrees on it, that's right. five percent say there's no such thing as truth. And 13 percent say, I don't have a clue there is such a thing as truth at all. Uh, it may be out there, but I don't know anything about it. Barner goes on to say that millions of Americans misinterpret obedience to God to mean a life of limits, misery, and monotony. Yet those who pursue godly obedience report just the opposite. Barner continued, in fact, they are more likely to experience the very outcome that most people are unsuccessfully pursuing through self-reliance and self-righteousness, that's what the Pharisees are pursuing, with self-righteousness would not bring them the fullness of their heart and their life. Self-righteousness means it's a, it's you, you create your own picture of yourself, and it is not the biblical picture of coming to Christ. These guys were confused. And I'm afraid that we live in a nation of confused people. Nation of churches with confused people. Now, here's the challenge. Now, this is the tough part. If you've got your Bibles there, open them up to there. Here's the tough part. So Jesus pours this out. He says, My sheep, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice, they know me, they follow me. See, see, if you know Jesus, you follow. Doesn't mean you sit and do nothing. These are present active verbs. And he says, and they're not going to be taken on my hand. You're not going to throw them out of the out of the temple. I mean. Folks, has the pandemic told us anything in this nation? Being alone and separated is not good. And what about the drug rate? Alone and separated, the drug rate booming. Divorce rate booming because you can't stand the people that you have to be quarantined with. You can't stand your wife. You can't stand your husband. You can't stand your kids. Barner says his research shows that the people that have a relationship with the shepherd are the people that find out how to live and get the full deal meal and enjoy it. Amen. But here's the challenge. Okay, round this down. So he finishes that. Now that's a pretty much a shot in the gut. Verse 33, 31, and again the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Do you know how many times are these incidents that I showed you they picked up stones to stone him? But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. Which of these do you stone me for? Now I tell you, that takes a lot of grit when you're surrounded by a bunch of bullies. To say, okay, I'm not surprised about the stones in your hand. But wait before you throw the stones, what is it that tips you off? Just want you to be clear of I them. When mean, you're getting ready to hurl that stone, I want to know what's bugging you. That's a good question we all need to ask ourselves when we struggle with Jesus, isn't it? What is it? Have you ever felt you pushing Jesus back? Come on. And Niko says here, and what, what is their response? Oh, uh, <clears throat> we're not stoning you for any of those. <laughs> we're not stoning you for any of those. But well, we're stoning you for blasphemy. Now, blasphemy is an interesting word. Blasphemy is saying you're, you're pretending or taking the place of God. Blasphemy is saying you acting like God. Uh, now here's some a uh, little piece of clarity here for you. Okay, this comes from uh, Philippians, second chapter. This is Paul's description of the way Jesus acted. This is what ticked them off. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Now that ought to tick anybody off. I bet you there's some people you work with who you'd like to say, man, I wish they'd act like Jesus today. It really ticked me off. I can hear some of you saying Man, I'd just like to get my husband to act a little bit like Jesus today. That wouldn't take wouldn't be a better day than yesterday. I wish my kids would act just a little bit like Jesus. I mean i have to be. But let's let's stone that. What were they saying? You washed people's feet, and I didn't like the way you bent down and feet. Well I going not kill you. is that kind of this kind of stuff we drag up when we push back on Jesus? We push back on the Word of God. We push back on God's truth. We always can find, nitpick, something that just didn't quite suit us because there's no humility in us. There's no following the shepherd in us. There's no obedience in us. Okay, quickly here. I'll wrap it up here. Oh, I don't want to leave this. So, Jesus, the hard part there, he says, uh, he says in the 10, he said, uh, uh, find 10 here. He said, uh, so you're going to stone me? And he says, but your law, your word, your Torah, you're big on that, boys, aren't you? He says, in the Torah, in Psalm 82, it says, God calls men gods. A little G O D. And you can see, now I can't believe anybody, I'm getting ready to be stoned and say, you see, there's a verse in Psalm 82, verse six that I think would apply to you right now. Woo." And, and it says, "And the, the gods that's used there, he's talking about the lesser gods, not, not God's gods, like in Greek mythology, but he's calling them judges, rulers. You can apply that to Moses. You can apply that to David. You can apply that scripture to Solomon. Now what day is it that he's in the temple area? Hanukkah. To what great religious person in the Bible they're honoring? Judas Maccabees. Not in the Bible. So they can say, we're going to put this application of scripture on Judas Maccabees, but we're going to stone you because you are are teaching people to live a decent life. The resistance of Christianity in our nation is so strange, isn't it? All right. I'm gonna... And then Jesus said, here, here's an unbelievable piece of Scripture here. Jesus says, then why do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said I am the God's son. Is that really? I am God's son. That's really ticked you off, didn't it? Do not believe me. Listen to that. Listen to that. Do not believe me. Unless I do what my father does. Look at the evidence. You won't listen to my words. and, And so he's saying, do not believe me unless I do what my Father does, but if I do it, the works of God, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that, you're, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Let me read that again. That you may know and understand. That's a tricky little verse there. The tricky part of that verse is, know and understand are the same words. Except the tense endings on the difference are different, a little slightly different, and the idea here is, okay, okay, Jesus is saying something that you've heard this. You've heard people argue against you on this. I can't, I can't believe that Jesus is the only way. I can't believe that these Christians are saying that Jesus is the place that the world ought to pivot around. I can't believe that. That's a little hard for me to believe. I'm not really opposed that Jesus gives people life. I'm not opposed to give people motivation to get off addiction. I'm not opposed to that. But I'm just opposed to the fact that a little Jew from Nazareth could have anything to do with my life that I ought to give him homage to. Jesus says, I got it. I understand that. He's, he's a Jew looking at Jews. They're standing there, and they're in a sweat, and he's in a sweat, and he said, "I know it doesn't. I don't look like God. There's none of that touched by an angel glow of hair. There's none of that there. There's just rocks in people's hands. You got the picture?" Jesus says, "I know that this is a tough thing for you. I know there's some tough things you got to think in your head." So if I, you don't, I don't worry about what I said. If I'm being hung up that the God could be in the flesh sweating here and talking to you and pleading with you in the darkness of Solomon's columnade, I am telling you right now, all you got to do is just check out how it changes people's lives. Mark shared about this Mexican boy. That Mexican boy's life was not change because there was an orphanage that makes a boy's life was changed because there were people that loved Jesus and had lives transformed in Jesus' name that gave and and sacrificed their life and created the transformation. There's some of you right now, if you weren't so sheepy, (laughs) you could get up and give a testimony of how Christ changed you. So well, the, 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 the old Phillips paraphrase back in the 50s, great paraphrase, he caught it this way. If I fail to do what my father does, then do not believe me. But if I do, even though you have no faith in me personally, then believe in the things I do. Then you may come to know, and then he uses the other no, he translated the English word, and realize that the father's in me and, the, and I am in the father. He's saying, can we think this through? Can we think it through? If you'd get out of this solar system today and you go to the nearest star, uh, Alpha Centauri, And if it were possible, and you took the best telescope on planet Earth, and you pointed it directly towards Earth, you would never see Earth. Sorry. Never see you. I don't want to really bust your bubble. We're not just a speck on the solar system. You couldn't even see, just that's our closest star, which is far bigger than our present star, and he's saying, "I'm the good shepherd. I'd like to get close to you, and I'd like you to get close to me, so we can have a life together, and it'll be the best life that you'll ever live." Whether you're in the farm country and they just needing a piece of bread, or you're in the wealthy Jerusalem, there's something for you. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, it's so difficult for us to follow you it's such a difficult challenge lord to get ourselves out of the way of this and lord our whole country is in need of people in churches across the land to follow you to hear your voice and not get lost God, help us in this church to be truly believing the word. In Jesus' name, amen.